James chapter 1. We will look a few verses here. I just have a short message for us tonight. I, um, nothing earth-shattering, but just a few things to share and um, for us to consider for our time together. Uh, I want to talk tonight about um, how it is a Christian is to speak. Um, believe it or not, there's, there's quite a bit written in Scripture about our speech. Um, our Lord talks about it. Um, Paul talks about it. Peter talks about it. Um, there's quite a bit written about how it is that we are to speak as Christians. And one of the things I wanted to, to, to focus in on tonight is that uh, God expects us to control our speech. He expects us to be in control of our speech, be in control of the things that we say. Um, and I think we have in our own lives many people um, who are the opposite, don't we? Uh, whether it's our family members, whether it's people that we might work with, um, people in the world that have no control over the things that they say. And as, and as such, they give away a lot about themselves. They give away that they haven't trained themselves and trained the tongue, as we'll talk about here in just a moment, um, to speak in the right way, to speak blessings rather than curses. So we have those in our, in our lives, in, in the workplace, uh, family members. So we come in contact with those who who don't control their speech, but God wants us to be able to control our speech, to control the things that we say. If you're there in James chapter 1, look in verse 26. It says, If anyone thinks himself to be righteous or, or religious, and yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. And I, I can't read that verse without thinking about uh, hypocrisy. Do the words that come out of our mouth match what we claim to be, match what we claim to be practicing in our own lives? And I think we've run into people that are like that as well, who claim to be religious, who claim to be following after um, God's will, yet their words don't line up with that. The words that they say, the words that they use, they don't show a person who's trying to be pleasing to God. Look over a couple of chapters in James chapter 3. James has more to say about, um, about speech and, and elaborates all the more here in chapter 3. Let's, let's read some of this here in chapter 3 of James. Let's begin reading in verse 4. He says, Behold the ships also, though they are great, are driven and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder, wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. Behold, how great a force is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defies, defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. 
For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles, of creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth once came both blessings and cursings. My brethren, things ought not to be this way. The point that James is making is that you think about how small our tongue is in relation to the rest of our body. Yet look what it can do. Look what trouble it can get us into. Look what it can, the, the fires that it can start. A few words here and there can set a place on fire. So even though the tongue is very small, it has great influence in our own lives. God's word tells us about how we are to speak. If we look in verses 11 and 12, here in, in, in James chapter 3, he says, Does not a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives, or a vine produce figs? Neither can salt water produce fresh. Now, what's all that mean? It means that what he goes back to is say at the end of verse 10, my, bro- my brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Can we curse and Bless from the same mouth? Yes, we can. But the point he's making is it ought not to be that way. Just like you can't um, get uh, olives from a fig tree or figs from an olive tree. It ought not to be that way. If someone knows us and knows who we are, they ought to know what our speech is going to be. If we claim to be a child of God, the words that come out of our mouth ought to be blessings. It doesn't mean that we can't correct error and rebuke those who are in error. But even that has to be done in the right way. Even that has to be done in the, in the, in the spirit of a loving brother or sister. Cursings and blessings ought not to come out of the same mouth. And that's the point that he's making. So from all this, what's being encouraged here is that we need to be blessing in our speech, not cursing. Go with me over to Romans chapter 15. So we have a very powerful thing in this, in this body, this, this little tongue. It's very powerful even though it's small. We should be using it for the right reasons and the right way. In Romans 15 and verse 18, Paul writing here says, For I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed. So how does Paul think about what he ought to say? He says, I'm going to give credit to Jesus Christ. And the things I'm going to talk about are the things that I've been blessed with through Jesus Christ. I love the, the passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. There in verse 1, he says, I didn't come to you with, with uh, flowery language. Um, you know, I didn't come to you with that kind of... Um, I'm paraphrasing, obviously. 
I didn't come with you with flattering speech and, and trying to win you over with my words. In verse 2, he says, I declare to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So the, the words that Paul uses, what he says, are just that. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Those are the kind of words that we need to be speaking as children of God. The rest of it, the worldly talk, coarse jesting, all those things we ought not to be engaging in. Go with me over to Ephesians 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And as we uh, hone our speech and learn to um, control our speech, there's some results from that. And Hebrews 4, beginning in verse 14, says, As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. You see, those are the kinds of people, those are the kinds of words that lead people astray. And when we study God's word and are assured of our faith, what does Paul say here? As a result, we're no longer tossed in the wind by those kinds of things. And look what he says in verse 15. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. He talks about how the whole body is being fit together, what every joint supplies, the proper working of the individual part. And what that does is causes growth of the body. So look how important it is in this little passage here about the things that we say. Speaking the truth in love. The words that we speak to one another aid in what's, what's being talked about here, and that's the growth of the body. Being built up in love. How important is it what we say? Over in Ephesians 5. Turn the page there. Look at verse 18. And this is a familiar passage when we get to verse 19. And do, not be, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart. Think about what we come to this verse often here, verse 19, about making the argument for singing in the church, for singing in the worship service. But look what our words are doing. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody with your heart. Verse 20, always giving thanks for the things in the name of the Lord Jesus to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. The words that we say to each other have meaning and have a purpose. When we sing one to another, we're encouraging each other. We should be. And that gives more emphasis on our singing, doesn't it? It's not just opening the songbook and and following along, we need to be encouraging one another. That's what we sing for. That's the reason that we sing. Look over in 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. First Peter chapter 4, verse 11. It says, whoever speaks, let him speak as if it were the utterances of God. Whoever serves, let him do so as by the strength which God supplies, so in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. 
to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. To me, this is the definitive verse on how we ought to speak. Whoever speaks, let him speak as if it were the utterances of God. Some of the older translations say the oracles of God. In other words, the things that God has said. If you're going to speak, speak as if it were those things that the prophets and those others have already said. Speak as if it were the utterances of God. We don't have the mind of God to speak on his behalf. But other men have. And they've written these things down. So if we want to speak, we need to be educated and understand that the words that come out of our mouth need to be in accordance with God's will. And if they're not, maybe we just ought not to say anything. But look what it says. Whoever serves, let him do so as by the strength which God supplies. So we have speaking and serving by the grace of God, so that in all things God may be glorified through Christ Jesus. Though the things that we say, the things that we do, should, seek, uh, should serve God. And if it's not doing that, you have to ask yourself this question. If what I'm doing and saying is not serving God, then what am I doing? Ought I be doing that all the time? The things that I do in my life ought to be serving God. The things that I engage in, the words that come out of my mouth, they ought to be praising and blessing and bringing glory to God. So do we glorify God in the things that we say? Let's make sure that we do. Let's make sure that that we are indeed glorifying God with our speech. I hope this will remind us that God wants us to speak in such a way that people will recognize the hope that's within us. That people will recognize that there's something different about that person. Just in the way that he or she speaks, there's something different about her. And that's okay. If you look back over in verse uh, 15 of chapter 3 in 1 Peter, it says, But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is within you, yet with gentleness and reverence. So if we ought to be able to, to speak that way. We ought to be ready to speak that way. And know that people will recognize and see that there's something different about us. Turn over to Colossians chapter 4. We'll close with this. This idea of the way we speak, the way we present ourselves, there's a reason for for us doing it that way. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 5 and 6, It says, conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned as it were with salt, so that you may know how you ought to respond to each person. Acting and talking. Doing and saying. The same thing here. 
Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech, as it were, be seasoned with salt, so that you know how to behave towards outsiders. You may know how you should respond to each person. As Christians, we ought to be able to train ourselves to be able to respond to each person that we come in contact with. That's easy on the good side, isn't it? When you come into contact with a good soul, a good person that's easy to talk to, and you can talk to them about spiritual things and, and engage them in conversation. Then you have those people kind of in the middle that can kind of take it or leave it either way. And then you have those people who are hostile towards God. And those are hard to talk to, aren't they? It's very hard to speak to those. Paul says, conduct yourselves with wisdom towards outsiders. Have your mind trained. Train yourself that you ought to know how to speak to them. Let your speech be seasoned with salt. What does that mean? (laughs) It means let the words that come out of your mouth taste good. So that you're blessing and not cursing. Conduct yourself with wisdom towards outsiders. We... It comes down to what it is that we do. God has entrusted the gospel with us. To preachers, yes, but to everyone else as well. All God's children have been entrusted with the gospel. We need to make sure that we are speaking and presenting the gospel in in its best light. Make sure that we're not bringing shame upon ourselves or shame upon our God. So I encourage you to make sure that your speech is good, that you control the tongue, knowing that that small little part of your body can cause a lot of trouble. Speak as the utterances of God. If you're going to speak to someone or speak anyway to anybody, make sure that you're speaking as the utterances of God. I hope this little message has been encouraging to you. Again, nothing earth-shattering, but something we need to be reminded of to, to make sure we watch what we say. Make sure the things that we say bring glory to God. You'd like to turn to your songbooks to number 268. 268. We'll sing this song as a song of encouragement. If you need the prayers of the congregation, uh, you can let that be known as we stand and sing to encourage you.